worked your whole life for this. To hold this honor. To be the best. But in a blink, it could all go away. You see, there are others out there that have worked just as hard as you. They say, it's my turn now. I'm the one who everyone will chase. So this is it. A clash of champions. A night that ends all the debates. An all-out gold rush. Tonight, you get in that ring with purpose. With the I came to clean house and defend what's mine attitude. You say, I am a champion? Then damn it, prove it. WWE champion. Well, let me remind you exactly who the hell I am. So I'm gonna make sure you take one more ride in this ambulance. I don't care who I face. This is my island. Just like when we were kids, I'm gonna whoop your ass. With the run that Bailey has been on, I don't see anybody knocking her off the mountain. Oh my God! Bailey's blasting cross. So, when this moment of yours comes calling, how will you answer? As just another chaser, or as a champion? Fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificence, you're going to be mine. Here's Jonathan Hood. What's up, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Instagram and on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. That's WrestlingTWT. Have you followed me on Instagram? Have you followed me on Twitter? I hope that you have because I always say follow me on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. Also on YouTube, youtube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday there as well. 
And I'd like to remind you that you can find me with David Kaplan every morning between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time for the Captain J. Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Having a fun time doing Morning Drive, and uh, even though I'm doing Morning Drive, I don't forget about you, the wrestling fan. Wherever you are, thanks so much for downloading the podcast. Tell people that Jonathan Hood not only does a pretty fine morning show in Chicago and a pretty fine national radio show on ESPN Radio and a pretty fine Series XM NBA radio show, but he does a fine wrestling show, wrestling, every Tuesday, wherever you download your podcast. Thanks so much for being in today. We will talk about night. Talk about a really interesting night in Orlando, Florida, for the Clash of Champions, the latest offering by the WWE on the WWE Network, Clash of Champions. So, I have a few favorite Clash of Champions. Of course, this was a NWA uh, branded. Uh, show that if you don't, you can find some of the episodes of Clash of Champions on the WWE Network. I think this is a brainchild of Dusty Rhodes because you want to see something pretty good for free. So I remember the first one right up against WrestleMania. It was Sting versus Ric Flair, forty-five minute draw in Greensboro, North Carolina. Really good card. Some weird things on that. On that first clash, but ultimately the payoff was Ric Flair made Sting in that 45 minute draw. Really, really good match. There's a number of really good Clash of Champions. Clash of Champions 9, New York Knockout. Ric Flair versus Terry Funk in an I Quit match from Troy, New York. That was on a random Wednesday. Uh, but the Clash of Champions was an NWA thing, so I'll always hold that near and dear to my heart as a wrestling fan because when those clashes came, oh, you were watching. Because it wasn't the TBS show, it wasn't the syndicated worldwide wrestling or uh, the other shows that the NWA would provide. When Clash of Champions came on, you're like, oh, this is going to be on cable for everyone to watch. And it was real, always interesting to see the Clash against WrestleMania. And that was that's a whole long podcast to discuss why that took place. When Why would Clash of Champions take out of WrestleMania? It's a long, long thing between Vince McMahon and Jim Crockett. So uh, that, so I've always will have Clash of Champions close to my heart. Of course, what you have now in the WWE with Clash of Champions pale in comparison to what happened in the National Wrestling Alliance. But I digress. So there it is, the 2020 edition of Clash of Champions, the latest uh, pay per view event for the WWE. And there's a number of things I want to talk about with this. Number one. Let's talk about what should be the main event for this card. What should have been the main event was the WWE Championship with Drew McIntyre, the champion, taking on Randy Orton in an ambulance match. Once again, Drew McIntyre in this pandemic era is the champion, but not really. Kind of like Bray Wyatt. Champion, but not really. It, It is... Inexplicable why Drew McIntyre cannot be on the main event and be the man that he is supposed to be. When you hold the WWE Championship, like the Ultimate Warrior, like Hogan, like Bruno, like Pedro Morales, like Bret Hart, like Shawn Michaels, like Steve Austin, The Rock, so on and so forth, Mick Foley, all the way down the line, right? Randy Orton, 
John Cena, when you hold the WWE Championship, shouldn't you be the main event? To me, the WWE Championship match at Clash of Champions was the main event. A hot feud between Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton in an ambulance match. I don't understand why this, once again, was second billing. I don't understand it. The Universal Championship is greater than the WWE Championship. Is that what they want us to believe in the WWE? I don't I don't quite understand that. I really like the match. But there's something with the psychology of this match that I want to talk about. So, you know that this has been a pretty hot feud and Randy Horton has never been hotter in the WWE. I was down on Randy Orton for a long time. Because I said, there, I want to see another gear from Randy Orton. Yeah, I know his four or five moves. And yeah, I know he moves slowly in the ring. And yes, I know that he's a better heel than babyface. And I joked that, man, I'm not even sure that Randy Orton is even as good as his uncle Barry O. Look up Barry O, kids, if you've never seen Barry O wrestle. That's his, that's his uncle. But I was like, man, I don't know. What's going on with Randy Orton? He's stuck in neutral. A lot of that's creative, of course. But I never thought that Randy Orton was special for about a good decade when he started off hot, obviously. Started off really well. as one of the youngest world champions that we've ever seen. And early in his career, the first three, four, five years, yeah. But then it just, it, being a tag team guy and being a baby face and healed and a baby it just, it, I just think that he's had too much start and stop in his career. But this is fully go. Complete green light. I enjoy watching Randy Orton big time now because he's into his character. That guy is a heel. He's one of the biggest heels in the company. So why is it that on this particular matchup, there was quote-unquote retribution, and we'll get to them later, retribution from Christian? Why was there retribution from... Not only Christian, but also Shawn Michaels and the Big Show. And ultimately, Ric Flair driving the ambulance away. Why did they interfere in the match? They're trying to get back at Randy Orton, right? Okay, cool. So, of course, along the way, you saw Randy Orton do damage to Shawn Michaels. But then Michaels comes back and gives him sweet chin music and a little shove right off the top of the ambulance. Big Show interfered, uh, Christian interfered, and Ric Flair behind the ambulance. A lot of chaos, right? It took all of those superstars to help Drew McIntyre beat Randy Orton in the ambulance match. And of course, that punt to the head of Randy Orton and the closure of the doors of the ambulance and Ric Flair driving away should be the end of the story. Alas... I don't believe it is the end of the story. And there's my problem. You would think that after everything that's gone on between Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton, it has been entertaining. Don't get me wrong. I've liked what I've seen because it's been a great back and forth. It's been a great battle. But don't you think that that should be the end? I don't think it's the end. As a matter of fact, I think that they're going to go in hell in a cell. Now, I'm taping this on a Monday night at 6 p.m. Central Time before Raw. And 
there's a lot of reasons for that because there's a lot of other sports going on right now. And we'll talk about that in a second as well. Wrestling's issues with other sports going on. But point is, though, is that this should be the end of the rivalry. That should have been the main event, number one. And number two, that should be the end. But I don't think it will. I think Randy Orton's going to go into the ring, if not on Monday Night Raw, at some point, and will say, you know what? You got me, Drew, but you know what? I need one more chance. All that outside interference, interfering in our match, I want you in the cell, hell in the cell. And, and actually, yesterday was more the blow-off. That was more the blow-off. So they go into the cell, and Randy Orton eventually wins the WWE Championship because I think you and I have been thinking, if this storyline is going to go on, uh, McIntyre's been a good champion, but they've really been tailoring all of this for Randy Orton to win the WWE Championship. And he deserves it, by the way, if he does win it. If he does win it, he deserves it because uh, he's been kicking ass. So there it is, Drew McIntyre, the guy that's a WWE champion, but not really. I don't like the idea in this company that the heavyweight champion, the WWE champion, cannot be the man. You know who the man is? It's Roman Reigns. We'll talk about that uh, matchup against Jey Uso in just a moment. So it was definitely payback for Randy Orton, everything that he did to the big show and Christian and Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels. It was payback. Everybody except Edge showed up. And who knows when Edge will return to the WWE. But when you have so many baby faces attacking a heel, you know what happens to that heel? Eventually that heel turns baby face or there's sympathy on the heel like, wow, it's four on one or five on one. It's crazy. But it did happen at uh, the Clash of Champions. Some thoughts from Bully Ray, who teamed with Dave LaGreca on Busted Open on Sirius XM, Fight Nation. Let's hear Bully's thoughts about what I thought should have been the main event, the ambulance match between Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton. I understand that they are part of the story. I understand why they would be there. But you have now told me that my uber babyface world champion could not have beat Randy Orton unless these two major, major, major superstars got involved. The flare driving off at the end, I don't mind, because that's just flare driving off at the end. That's a nice little cherry on top. Kind of like when you see Sam Kinison driving the hearse in the Kickstart My Heart video. It, it, it's cool, you know. Woo, here we go, baby. Without, uh, no, no speed limits. I love it. But show and Sean, sorry, I can't buy into it. If this were to happen post-match, let's just say that Drew would have won. And somehow threw Randy in the ambulance. And as Drew was posing, somehow Randy kicked the ambulance. Like, it would have been a, a slip on a banana peel kind of way to get into the ambulance. And Drew with one. And then Randy came out of the ambulance and started to destroy Drew McIntyre. Now I can see Show and Sean there to help out. But in the body of the match, as a fan... I'm left to believe that my guy couldn't win. How am I not supposed to believe it? But what they do is they'll wrap it up in that entertainment bow, and I get it, 
and they'll move on. Because as of today, it won't matter anymore. After our conversation, it's not going to matter. But I can't buy in to my babyface world champion needing so much help to win. Some thoughts there from Bully Ray on Busted Open on SiriusXM Fight Nation. My friends over there uh, in New York on SiriusXM. Interesting point. Interesting point. Now, here's the thing. I'm not going to shit on the match. I thought that it's great that these two go back and forth. But to have all that help, that seems like that was the blow-off. Like, that should be the end. When Ric Flair drove the ambulance and he was driving it out of the arena... That should have been the end of the show. That's number one. But number two, you think that's the end of the rivalry. But I'm sure there's going to be a return, and Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre will go after one another again. I like the pairing, but it just, once again, it lessens the WWE champion. Maybe one day we'll do a podcast and we can go through the WWE champions of the last 20 years or so, and, and we can determine, like a CM Punk or Bray Wyatt, who really had the belt, you know, throw Daniel Bryan in there as well, who really had the belt, but was never really the champion. Uh, Miz, we can throw in there as well. There's a number of champions who's like, okay, here's a championship, but you're not really the main event. He was looking at you, Kofi Kingston. You know, and so to me, the WWE champion, the one I've been seeing in the magazines and watching since the 80s, should be the main event. Not necessarily the case all the time in the WWE. How about the Universal Championship? Because clearly that is the main ch- uh, championship in this company. Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion against Jey Uso. Okay, number one. Roman Reigns looks great. And there's no flak jacket. That guy is, he looks great. He's a monster. We always knew he's a monster, but now the jacket's off and he is in tremendous shape. And he looks menacing when you see him come to the ring with Paul Heyman. I love Roman Reigns as a heel. Roman Reigns has been a heel actually for a long time. But, of course, the company makes you smile and you're supposed to be a baby face. And when we did have fans, as you well know, uh, before the leukemia diagnosis for Roman Reigns, uh, they booed him out of the arena. And the reason why they did is because, well, someone had to be the John Cena of the company. If Cena's not around, then you got to boo someone that... Um, that fans feel like this wrestler is being thrown, you know, pushed down our throats. So they booed Roman Reigns and he tried to be a baby face and did everything. But when you've got that curly wet hair and you're looking menacing and you don't really smile or you're trying to force a smile, like people knew that, no, I don't want this guy because he's too much of a syrupy baby face. He's always been a heel. His pro- his promos have always been heel-like. And so here he is as really closer to his character than anything else. A guy that's gone through leukemia. A guy that had to miss WrestleMania. A guy that has um, been undermined. Maybe as a young athlete, as a young wrestler, maybe he took to heart the boos that he was receiving. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I guess I, I haven't talked to Roman about this, but I would imagine that as you, you know, Shake hands, kiss babies, go around ringside, especially on house shows, and try to let the fans know, hey, I'm with you. Hey, be part of the Roman Empire. There's that section of fans that are like, nope, don't want that. Don't want that guy. I want someone who to be himself, and Roman's really himself. This is the best Roman Reigns that we have seen as far as character development. 
There's no question about it. You watch this guy here and that look on his face and how he takes his time with his promos. It doesn't seem like he's reciting them. He is more like himself. And this dude wants you to know that he's the tribal chief. It makes me wonder if Vince McMahon's ever wanted, did he want uh, High Chief Peter Maivia back in the 70s? I wanted to look at him and say, I wish that he would be like what Roman Reigns is doing. I guess I wonder if Vince, a young Vince looks at it and says, you know, if you're the tribal chief, shouldn't you act like a tribal chief? Shouldn't you, shouldn't you be a heel? He probably was thinking that as a young man. But now he has his tribal chief in Roman Reigns. And the story of Roman Reigns and his cousin Jay Uso was really cool. The buildup is exactly, that's professional wrestling. The thing that's so strange is, is that sometimes the WWE actually gives you what you're looking for, right? You see it more in NXT because Triple H and Shawn Michaels have more of a handle on story and then story development and then in-ring prowess. You know, the WWE is so hit and miss with this stuff. Like, okay, here's some silly shit and here's something that doesn't make sense. 24-7 title and here's we're just going to screw around the Intercontinental Championship and the, this and that. But when you when they really lock in and tell a story, I mean, I guess for them it's easy because the story is real. Because Roman Reigns and the Usos are all family, and it's a long lineage, a deep lineage of Simone heritage, of Simone athletes becoming professional wrestlers. A lot of those uh, people uh, that I saw uh, on that video that they showed, uh, I saw all those wrestlers, from Rikishi to often Sika, the Samoans, I saw a lot of them maybe a little bit past their prime, some in their prime, but all of those wrestlers that we saw, yeah, yeah, pretty strong. And I really love that build-up, that video package before we saw Roman Reigns against Jey Uso. You're a tribal chief and reigning defending undisputed universal heavyweight champion. Roman Reigns comes from a long line of royalty. From the legendary Wild Samoans featuring his uncle Afa and father Sika. To titans like the great Yokozuna. The most electrifying man in all of entertainment, The Rock. The fearsome Umaga. And charismatic icons like Rikishi. Father to none other than Roman's challenger, Jey Uso. As a young kid growing up, me, Joe, and John, like, just glued at the hippos. These two kids, they grew up together, do everything together, very competitive. Even at a young age, Roman Reigns felt like he was the big dog. Roman Reigns, he's strong and tough, he's mean what he was. It's a damn full circle. Years we've thought about this. Proud of you. This is your moment. At Clash of Champions, like when we were kids, I'm gonna whoop your ass. Since the sandbox to the football field to the wrestling ring, 
That's the main event, big dog. He used to that big spotlight. And I know he gonna push it to the limit, man, because that's all he know how to do. But guess what? I want to be a big dog, too. I'm a tag team guy. I ain't even supposed to be here. But guess what? I'm about to step my ass right in the ring of Roman Reigns and show the world what I got. It's going to be cousin versus cousin. It's going to be family versus family. It's going to be Reigns versus Uso. And I ain't going to waste this damn opportunity, man. Hey, Josh. Joe. Say hello, man. Roman was always with me. at the hippos. You will never take my place at the head of the table. The build was tremendous. So I'm watching the match and you know what I noticed? A lot of talking. A lot of talking. I can understand that if there is some conversation at the beginning and some at the end, but the story, it was more of a story than a match. And you have to have some story. But the thing is, is that when you have built up the story and you built it all the way up to here, now it's go time for Jey Uso. It's go time for Roman Reigns. I remember, and this is not family, but it's as close as family as possible. I remember Ric Flair taking on Arn Anderson, a match that we thought we'd never see in the mid-90s, probably like 95. Now, again, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso are family, and Rick and Arn, because they were horsemen and they traveled together 350 days a year for years for Crockett, the NWA. Um, so they're like family. And somehow, some way. WCW at the time thought it would be interesting to see Arn Anderson versus Ric Flair. What if, right? And Arn won the match. But, and Arn talks about it on this podcast, the Arn show, where he talks about he, how he threw up in a garbage can beforehand because he was so nervous um, before the match because he's taking on the great Ric Flair. And the one thing about it is, is that it was a build. It was a build for that match. Why did they have a disconnect? And they talked about it. There was a package that was played before that. And then when it came to the match, there was some talking at the beginning, maybe a little in the middle, but it wasn't throughout the match. At some point, the two have to wrestle. The story is, is that Jey Uso was always thought, uh, and the Uso brothers were thought to Roman Reigns, I guess now, this new Roman Reigns, is that they're second rate. That they're not the tribal chief, that there's only one tribal chief and that's Roman Reigns. And even though they all grew up together, Reigns is the number one guy and he's here to show it. But the other story that should have been told is Jay Uso, who says, I'm just a tag team guy, I'm not supposed to be here. 
not really liking that, but understand because you're trying trying to tell a story. But it's also about Jey Uso. The story should be, I'm here to step up in class. I have been a tag team guy for a long time, but I can do some things too. And yes, I'm taking on my cousin. And it looks like he's taking it seriously because he attacked me uh, on SmackDown. And so what I'm going to do is, is that I'm going to um, step up and face my cousin. There is no more smiling. There, I'm going to have a serious face and I'm going to take him on. And it's not about Jay jaw jacking with Roman Reigns and back and forth because there is more talking than wrestling. See, the story is supposed to take place before all of that. That's what got me to Clash of Champions, the talking. It's it's just the the tradition of professional wrestling or sports entertainment. Talk them into the building. Talk them into buying the pay-per-view. So, cool. The talking is done. Now let me see the wrestling, but no. All throughout, the story continued. Where both of these wrestlers, and mostly Roman Reigns, did all this talking to Jey Uso. Saying, hey, make sure you call me the tribal chief. And hey, you got me out all the way out here. And now I got to beat your ass just like we did as kids. Like I heard that before. But there was more talking and more dialogue than actual wrestling. See, you can actually wrestle and tell a story at the same time. Uh, To me, as a wrestling fan, after you've done the build, I don't need to hear any more talking. Now, if you're going to go back and forth and trash talk, that's fine. But Roman Reigns continued to talk and continued to get in Jey Uso's ear. Continued to the point where Paul Heyman says, well, I'll call you. You are the tribal chief. You're the tribal chief. (laughs) Sir, you're the tribal chief, sir. May I have a moment, sir? You are the tribal chief. Like Roman Reigns like, no, I don't want to hear it from you. I want to hear it from him. It was interesting. I only I only think of it like this. So if this is in a 20,000 seat building, I wonder how this would resonate with a whole bunch of people. I think they can get away with this in an empty building at the Amway Center where it's totally mic'd and you can hear everything that both these guys are saying. You can hear Uso breathing, you know, all that. You can get away with it there. But I wonder how that would work if you're sitting in the nosebleeds amongst 20,000 people watching that, and yet you heard a lot of Reigns talking, a lot of Uso talking. How would that resonate if they're not mic'd from where you're sitting inside that arena? Now, again, they can get away with it because there's no one there. But I wonder how that would work if I'm sitting in the arena. I'm like, I'd say, what are they talking about? Why is there so much dialogue? I mean, just sample it for yourself. There was a lot. There's more of this than it was wrestling. Oh, are you ready? I'm not ready yet. Oh, I'm not. You brought me all the way out here. You brought the chief all the way out here, huh? Huh? Yeah. Acknowledge me. Say it to me. Say it to me. Tell me. I want you to call me chief. Acknowledge me as your tribal chief. Do it. Do it now and this is done. Do it now. Do it now. Do it. Do it now. Do it now. Say it. Oh, and another spear. Defiant Jayuso. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of that. 
it was just about how Roman wanted Jey Uso's respect. He had his respect. This <laughs> is very interesting. Some thoughts from Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer from Wrestling Observer talking about this match. I got something to say about the finish. So Roman Reigns, Jey Uso for the WWE title. Roman has ditched the flak jacket. He's gigantic. And he comes out here... And at the beginning of the match, I mean, they gave Jey Uso nothing early. It's just like they lock well, the up. Well, the, the whole story of the match is that Roman Reigns is like two levels above Jey Uso. So, well, I mean, they tell that for most of the match, but Jey did get a comeback. Well, they tried very get... hard to convince you that he was going to win. Oh, yeah, I don't know if I they. I mean, they did give him the splash off the top, which was a which was a big spot and everything. They, I mean, they had to give him some offense to tell the story um, that you know, Rome, you know, that Roman. Didn't take him seriously, and he did prove something. But then in the end, it was such a massacre by the time the thing was over. But that was the idea. I mean, this this match was not for Jey Uso at all. This match was 100% for Roman Reigns to set up I don't know who. I mean, like at the end of uh, SmackDown, you got the tease that might be Bray Wyatt, which is weird. You know, because then is Bray Wyatt now a babyface? I think Bray Wyatt's babyface. Oh, okay. That's nice. Maybe not. I don't know. By the way, Roman Spears him... And he can go for the cover, but then he says, no, I want I want you to call me chief. And Uso refuses, so Roman spears him again. And then he demands Jay look in the camera and tell the whole world that he's the boss. He runs it all. Jay Uso says, not today. So Paul says, Roman, you're the tribal chief. Roman says, Paul, I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear from this guy. And so... Charles Robinson, he, he basically Roman gets in ground and pound. It's just destroying Jey Uso. I'm watching this going. Charles Robinson just needs to stop this match. Well, Charles Robinson tries to pull him off. Roman cuts a promo on him, tells him not to ever do that again. Charles Robinson just stands there like sheep. Roman continues beating on this guy. Finally, Charles says, "Uso, you want to quit?" And Roman stares him down, and Charles Robinson backs off. And so out comes Jimmy Uso. He's limping down the ramp, and he's got a white towel. He asks Jay if he wants him to throw in the towel. It's like, Which is stupid of course because... Jay's going to tell him no, otherwise he would have quit. Yeah. So Jay says no. Roman tells Jimmy to get in the ring and say that he's the chief. And Jay's begging Jimmy not to throw in the towel. Roman continues his beating. And finally, Jimmy throws in the towel, and the match is over. My only problem with this finish is that... I just watched SmackDown, where Alexa Bliss gave Lacey Evans one one-thousandth of the beating that Roman Reigns gave Jey Uso, and the referee called for the bell. Yeah, but that was a DQ. It doesn't matter. The referee should have called for the bell for something here. Oh, no, 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 This no, wasn't no. excessive I, violence. Oh, no, no, no. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That should have been a ref stoppage. Um... Like, yeah. if you're going to do this finish on the pay-per-view, why in God's name did you do that finish on TV on Friday? Do you think that they t even thought about it? It was two, two days ago. I don't think they were even thinking about, like, oh, because we're, we're going to... That was a DQ. This wasn't a DQ. Well, this I mean, ref was... looked like he should be fired. He should have stopped it, or he should have called for a DQ for excessive violence, whatever. Yep. But yep, he yep. didn't. He just stood there. And yep. granted, they had a story they wanted to tell, but, I mean, you can always tell the story where... Roman kills the guy, and the ref stops the match, and then Roman continues to kill the guy. Then his brother comes out, whatever. But anyway, yes, the whole point of this was to get over that Roman Reigns is just the most diabolical guy, and it was great 
in that sense. Roman is the greatest heel. He's absolutely awesome. He was great. I love this gimmick. He was great in this match. He should have done this like six years ago. Three, four, yeah. Whatever. If he if he would have done it, if he would have done it when he should have done it, he would have been a super baby face. By now, for sure. Four years ago. Because he's going to end up as a super baby face when this is all said and done. Yes. So, and then he's not going to get booed. Although, I said that after he came back. Well, he really didn't get booed after he came back from cancer. It was just, he just wasn't, you know, they just kind of did what they always do. You know what? They may end up doing what they always do with him, too. Especially if Heyman's not around, you know. Well, um, hopefully Heyman stays around then. Yeah, because this, there was a lot of this that, that I mean... When they when he was doing like the really vicious ground and pound, I mean that's total Heyman because Heyman's an MMA fan, and it's like I know that like that Vince McMahon doesn't think like that, so I know that's not Vince McMahon, but um, I mean I'm sure there's some aspects of it that that are, and I'm sure that Roman has a lot of um, input into this as well, but um, it's really well done. I mean, the I, Roman I, character I, is unbelievably great. This is the greatest Roman Reigns ever by far. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it was a very it was very gripping. I was really into it at the end, like a lot more than anything in WWE in a long time. As far as just really, you know, really good storyline. I thought Jey Uso was tremendous, um, and and really like you really wanted to see him do well. But in the end, in the end, he did come off like he was a prelim guy and not a, a real big star. But you still wanted to see him do well, and you sort of were sad for him that he was not really um, a top guy, I guess. Thoughts there from Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio. I just thought that there was a lot of talking and they already told the story and you can blend the two much more than they did. I wanted to see Jay Uso wrestle from underneath, fight from underneath a little bit. You know he was going to be the underdog, like the four to one underdog with him being a tag team guy. But I just wanted a little bit more fight and there's actually the story was to make sure that Roman was strong throughout. And that was the main event. And to me... That fell flat for me because I thought there was a lot more uh, action in the ambulance match in which I thought that should have been the main because it's not not even just for the action. The WWE Championship's on the line. That should always be the main event, but it doesn't work that way all the time. Uh, a couple other things just real quick. Uh, boy, there is a COVID-19 issue at the WWE, and you can tell from this pay-per-view because... Bailey is supposed to take on Nikki Cross, and that, that was canceled. Oscar already took on Zelina Vega once, and then here comes um, Bailey. Says, "I got an open challenge." And here comes Oscar again, and of course, that of course brought out um, Sasha Banks with a neck brace to go after Bailey. So that story continues. There, there must be an issue in the company where you guys see Oscar wrestle twice. Something's going on there, COVID-19 wise. There's been a number of reports there. You could see it for yourself. But there's a number of reports where some people are missing in this company. I, I watched NXT last week and watching some of this WWE programming. There's some people missing. And when you don't see them, there's a reason. Because they're not going to report uh, that there is a COVID-19 outbreak or who's positive, who's not. Um that could have been a great opportunity, by the way, for someone to step in there against Bailey. Besides Oscar, somebody could have stepped in there and 
could have been made by Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Somebody in that company is what is five hundred wrestlers in that company. Some woman could have come in there and said, "I'll take on Bailey," and could have got made in one night. But that was not the case. Um, so Oscar wrestles twice. And then, of course, they're extending the Sasha Banks feud as if we've never seen Sasha Banks against Bailey before. Guess we're not supposed to remember that. Well, Apollo Crews got pretty much crushed by Bobby Lashley in the United States t- title match. I'm lo- loving, absolutely loving the Hurt Business. I've been waiting for something like this for a long time. A faction that matters. Cedric Alexander, a little... I mean, it's revived Shelton Benjamin's career. To have Bobby Lashley as strong as he is, as the United States champion, MVP, that is, that's a strong faction right there. I mean, I like what I see with them. They're dressed in suits like professionals, like professional athletes, uh, and they are doing some damage. Apollo Crews looked very small in that matchup against Bobby Lashley, if that's possible. So this, I guess this is over now. Apollo's not going to go for the United States Championship anymore. What happens with his career moving forward? Zelina Vega, by the way, that was not a great match against Asuka. Just wasn't. Zelina Vega, and they said in the broadcast, you know, there's not a lot of tape on Zelina Vega because she hasn't wrestled because she's been a manager. Um, that wasn't great. So I saw some of Zelina Vega when she's in NXT, but that um, it's it's one thing to look at her size because the top of her head just barely goes over the top rope. So she's already comes in there with a disadvantage of being short, but she's not very quick. If you're going to be short, you want to be quick, right? And I don't see that. Um, Asuka led her nicely through that matchup, but that was not great. I thought the match was laid out nicely, but it wasn't great on the part of Zelina Vega. She needs a lot more ring work for me to believe that she could beat anybody. Uh, it's one thing to look at, um, you know, Lexi and see her out there as a, a smaller woman wrestling and wrestling well because you believe in the character, uh, and she does wrestle well because she, she's got plenty of time. Uh, Alexa Bliss, but Selena Vega did not believe that, did not like that. Nope. A very underrated match is the Intercontinental Championship match, the latter match between AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, and Jeff Hardy. Sami Zayn, man, he's a character. He really is. He is a character. When I watch Sami Zayn, I think that that's real. <laughs> Him just being zany out there uh, and... And just being innovative. I turn on the Intercontinental Championship match. And I see Sami Zayn put handcuffs through the earlobe of Jeff Hardy. Handcuffs through the earlobe. He handcuffs the earlobe of Jeff Hardy. And then the other side of the handcuffs, he handcuffs a rung of the ladder. So Jeff Hardy can't get out of it because he doesn't have the key. So he's just carrying the ladder with him. A small ladder. As on one side, his earlobe has got a, it's, it's apparently the bottom of it is so big that he can put a handcuff through it. That was so gross. I got squeamish. Sami Zayn also was able to put the handcuff on AJ Styles, and then Sami Zayn becomes the Intercontinental Champion. That was fantastic. <laughs> it was it was kind of brutal at the beginning because of uh, all the bumps. I can't believe Jeff Hardy in his forties still making doing bumps like that in front of nobody, uh, in front of nobody, uh, in that crowd uh, in of TVs at the Thunderdome. Can't believe he did that bump, but he did it. He can still do it. Nasty spills 
Innovative bumps. Great. Does he have to do it in front of nobody? That's just, he's just amazing. So he loses the championship, and uh, Sami Zayn is the champion there. Um, I don't, I don't know if this is something that's on my TV that I'm noticing, or maybe it's on your TV. Very odd stuff happening with the offici- the officiating in the WWE. See, it's one thing to have it to be a um, a gimmick, like ah, oh, bad call by the referee, like you see in basketball and football and other s- traditional sports. But there is a disconnect there between the Street Profits and uh, Angel Garza and Andrade. Clearly, there was an injury there with Garza. Um, and he was uh, being tended to by the trainers. That finish is not what the finish was supposed to be. The I guess maybe Vince McMahon is screaming into the referee's ear, hey, count three anyway. But you can see clearly a shoulder up there in that spot. That was not smooth. Not smooth. Because there was an injury that took place, and whatever the finish was, um, the Street Profits, especially with Dawkins, was pissed. Did you see Dawkins after the match? Instead of having a smile on his face after the victory, he looked frustrated because, you know, the referee counts three even though there's a shoulder up, and Dawkins is probably, as a young wrestler, like, wait, that's not the finish, and that looked messed up, and he feels like he's going to get blamed, but it's not. You know, if if McMahon or whoever's back there screaming that count to three and the wrestlers don't know the finish, the announcers don't know the finish, it looks sloppy. That Raw Tag Team Championship match, it, it was it was looking good, but then the injury and then the finish was just kind of weird. You know, it just it throws everybody off because if the announcers are not clued in, if the other wrestlers are not clued in on how the finish should change, then it looks like that. And that's why it looks so confusing. It was not bad, but it just it just makes everything clunky at the end. Um, you know, it's not ballet, but if you're going to have a finish, be like ballet. That is for sure. Um, so one other thing I want to mention, and that is with this retribution. I don't know if I've talked about this yet. I've talked about a number of other things. You can go to the archives and check the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. Talked about NXT UK, which I'm excited about. Talked about number of other issues around uh, wrestling. But let me talk lastly about Retribution. Caden Carter, Mia Yim, Shane Thorne, Dominic Dijakovic, Dio Madden, Chelsea Green. Okay. <sighs> okay. So, I look at this thing. All this buildup of who's Retribution, who's in other hoods, who are these mass wrestlers that have Molotov cocktails and, and causing all this havoc around the WWE, and who are these people? And then they are revealed, and they say they have WWE contracts. Caden Carter, who I saw in NXT, is not bad, but she's green. See Mia Yim, who's been around the independents and been around for a long time. Mia Yim, very good at what she does. I see Shane Thorne. Uh, 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 Shane Thorne is a solid wrestler, part of a tag team, part of NXT. Dominic Dijakovic, all those great matches that he had. Dijakovic, pretty solid against Keith Lee, right? They've been they battled in the Indies, they battled in NXT, they've been around the horn. And we know that Dijakovic is a really solid wrestler. Dio Madden was a color commentator on Raw and then disappeared and got into the NXT system or whatever. Never saw him wrestle on TV. 
I don't know what happened to him. And then there's Chelsea Green. That's really retribution. That's the best they can do. There's so many wrestlers still on this roster that have not been utilized. But yet they go with these wrestlers for retribution. Now here's the thing. Here's what's so weird about this. Well, first of all, a number of these wrestlers are not available. You didn't see them on Clash of Champions. There's a COVID-19 issue. This is why they didn't take over Clash of Champions. There is an issue going on there, for sure. Um, So something that was hot now is cooled off. Well, it should be ice cold. Because what is Mia Yim mad about? Why does she need retribution? Primarily featured on the NXT brand. What is she mad about? What what what's her retribution? Just understand, just not even kayfabe. Just talking about just common sense. What is Mia Yim's beef? She's been main events. She's been top of the card. She's gone for the uh, NXT Women's Championship. She is a really really solid wrestler. What's Shane Thorne's beef? Shane Thorne starting stopping his career. Mostly an NXT guy. Saw him decent. But not even to the middle of the card. Retribution for him? Why? What What, what do you do? I mean, you're part of a tag team that was pretty good. And then things changed. Dominic Dijakovic. What is his retribution? What is his issue? Major matches with Keith Lee. Entertaining matches with Keith Lee. North American title matches. Uh, NXT uh, heavyweight championship matches. Usually to the middle to the top of the card. And a must-see for the company. Dio Madden. Dio Madden hadn't even really started yet. A big guy was doing color, which I didn't understand why he was announcer for the WWE. I have no understanding why. But what's his story? What's his bitterness? And then there's Chelsea Green. What's her deal? I, I just... I, there's so many others that are still with the company that were not fired this group this time around, around WrestleMania, that you could utilize and they would have a real beef. A real beef like, you know what, I've been sitting here and catering all this time or I've been sitting at home and the group, the four of us, whether it's a woman involved and three other guys or whatever or us five, we're, pit, we're pissed and we're going to take over. Now, this is supposed to be a microcosm of society that's going on with... Uh, with the protesters, uh, doesn't matter what side of the aisle we're talking about. If that's what they're trying to, uh, trying to put a spotlight on, saying we need our own protesters or those that are against the machine, why these wrestlers? Who's going to look at these wrestlers and say, oh, now I, they have a beef. I mean, they, they've been held down for so long. Have they? Have they? And then, of course, the names. Mace, T-Bar, Slapjack. Slapjack. And T-Bar is tweeting up a storm. <laughs> I I don't understand. I don't understand what they're doing. If you're going to have a faction, you know, similar to the Nexus. When the Nexus came out, there's a bunch of there was a bunch of young wrestlers. And it made sense because they want to take over, right? And they did take over for a little bit, and then they got their water shut off, just just like that. 
They should have had momentum for a year. These wrestlers, if they have momentum, who's going to believe in them? And you would think that since they came out, that they should be wreaking havoc. They should tear up every match and go to SmackDown, go to Raw, go to NXT, and just beat everybody's ass. And that's not the case. What's the point of all of this? What's the point of it? If you're going to do something, do it with what people know. Gosh. There's so many wrestlers in this company that have a beef that wish they can get out of the company, but they're stuck under contract. You know, I don't know. Bray Wyatt's brother probably should lead the faction. He's still with the company. Why is he still around? There's a number of people that, you know, if you're not going to turn our truth because you got to have the comedy because he's so funny. But there's a number of wrestlers that's in this company that could lead. And then if when they're revealed, you're like, yep, I get it. I get why they're pissed. I get why the machine has kept them down. I get why they have not had the opportunity to be in the spotlight. And you put them together and you let them run roughshod over the company. Not the case. Not, not in Vince's WWE. We're just going to have T-Bar and wrestlers that actually have gotten over that really don't have a complaint. We're going to make sure that they complain. <laughs> Oh man, this is what I'm talking about. The, like, there's certain matches and there's certain storylines in the WWE. Like, yep, that's good. Randy Orton and and uh, what's going on with Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship? All right, I got that. Street Profits get better. Uh, sure, Bobby Lashley in the Hurt Business. Yeah, that works. Oscar's getting over. Yeah, that's good. Sami Zayn's entertaining and and. Um, AJ Styles is entertaining, and of course Jeff Hardy with his 88th chance after you know going through his issues with drug and alcohol abuse. Yeah, let's make him champion again. Uh, Bailey, that makes sense to me with Sasha Banks. Sure, have that. Go ahead and do that. Sure, Roman Reigns, the the guy that is telling you that he is the man, he is the chief. Yeah, that makes sense. But then it's stuff like that, and you're like, what is going on? And then. <laughs> there's just certain things in this company where it's just a head scratcher i know everything can't be a home run but i mean there's not even like a bunt single with some of this stuff it is just weird terrorize brutalize annihilation retribution t-bar at at t-bar retribution he is tweeting up a storm he's got something to say every five seconds and for what Oh, this company. And that's my review of Clash of Champions. God, I miss the old Clash of Champions. Man, Clash of Champions 1 was so good that I'm, I'm just going off from memory. Like, 2 was in Miami when the horseman jumped Lex Luger. Then Clash 3 was in Al- Albany, Georgia, I want to say. I mean, Paul Jones turned on Ivan Koloff. Clash 4 was in Chattanooga. I think that was Midnight Express against Flair and Wyndham, something like that. I'm just going off the top of my head because I'm a wrestling nerd. I remember having to go. Now, I didn't have TBS at the crib when uh, in 88, so I had to go to my friend Antoine's house to watch Clash 1. Lived on the south side, got on the bus when I was in high school to check because he had TBS at his crib. Checked out the Clash of Champions. So good. So good. But the Clash of Champions 2020 is in the books. And we have a chief. And that guy is Roman Reigns. Thanks so much for listening to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Hey, send me a message. Let me know what you think of the show. Follow me on Twitter.
Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. That's WrestlingTWT. Also on YouTube, YouTube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Hope that you check out Captain J. Hood every morning between 7 and 10 on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. And tell somebody that Jonathan Hood Talks Wrestling. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Talk to you next week. Until then, so long for now. Bye.